Hi, I'm Tony G, host of The Tony G Show, as well as The Tony G Show Interviews. I'd like to welcome you into the podcast for our October series of interviews for the 2021 year. Today, we interview SNC men's hockey coach Tim Coughlin. Tim Coughlin is a six-time NCHA Coach of the Year award winner. He is also a Lee Rummel Award winner, which he did in 2005, and a five-time national champion head coach for the St. Norbert College Green Knight hockey team. Tim Coughlin was a two-time All-America selection as a defenseman and a three-time All-NCHA selection at Stevens Point, where he was inducted into the school's Hall of Fame. Stevens Point was also where he graduated with both a master's degree in education as well as a bachelor's degree in communication. Tim Coughlin will be joining the show ahead of starting his 28th season in DePere with the Green Knight hockey team. Now, here is the Tony G Show interviews, Tim Coughlin. I'm Tony G. Will McCormick is in studio with me. Very special guest today, five-time national champion, Tim Coughlin. He is the head coach of the St. Norbert College men's hockey team. Tim, thank you for coming on to the show and being here with us today. Tony, thank you, and Will, uh, uh, good to see you guys in person, uh, hear your voices on the podcast, and nice to put a face and a name together. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll start with some personal questions. Right off the bat, before we get too deep into any subject, you are four wins away from number 600. What is that victory going to mean to you? I didn't know that. I don't know that. It's been a long time since we played a game, right? I mean, we, we sat all last year and didn't play, so, uh, you know, that stuff isn't mean a whole bunch to me. I'm not... Uh, I'm not really geeked up about longevity awards, <laughs> which that kind of is. That's not really my thing. So, um, I mean, our, our deal is, you know, just trying to be a top 10 team in the nation every single year. And if we can get ourselves to a top 10 program in the country any given year, then you've got a chance to make the NCAA tournament. If you can make the NCAA tournament, then you have a chance to make a Frozen Four. And if you can make a Frozen Four, then you have a chance to win the national championship. And so our focus is is just always, uh, you know, on the length of the season, how the season is broken up. And in this case, having not played now for quite some time, you know, what's it going to look like now that we have two fr- uh, freshman classes that haven't played and technically two senior classes because our juniors are seniors and we had three returning seniors who are start in their MBA program, this is going to have a whole different feel to it, I think, and, and getting this group going the right direction, especially based on our schedule, it's going to be uh, a task for sure. Schedule that starts uh, in October, early October, so you're going to get going pretty soon here at St. Norbert College. A little bit more about your background in depth. You played and graduated from Stevens Point. You're a Hall of Famer at the school, but you also coach against them quite frequently in competitive games and meaningful games. From both your inside and your outside perspective, what has kept that program at such a high level for so many years? You know, uh, they, they've had some lulls in their history, uh, but I was a part as a player when I was recruited by Coach Mazzolini, who's a Green Bay native. Uh, Coach Mazzolini was out in Western Canada. I grew up in British Columbia and played in the BC Junior Hockey League uh, and uh, had a chance to go to Stevens Point and play. We we started that program from the doormat up. It was a three-win program the year before I went in as a freshman, and then we were national champions when I was a senior captain. So that building process was extremely important. Then they won the title in 89-90-91. I was back on staff as an assistant at Stevens Point in 91-92, uh, and we lost the national championship game. And then as uh, 92, 93, I was an assistant at point and we won the national championship. And that's the year right before, uh, I made the move to be the head coach over here. A lot of people would say that there's a rivalry between St. Norbert college and Stevens point, not just against each other on the ice, but to be the, one of the best top programs in D three college hockey. 
Would you say there's a rivalry between St. Norbert and Stevens Point? Well, I think what happens is it, go, it runs in, in cycles, long cycles. If you look at the history of the NCHA, and don't forget, the NCHA is the Northern Collegiate Hockey Association. That's the league that we play in. If you go back to when I played in the league, it was Bemidji, Mankato, St. Cloud. Herb Brooks, the, the great late Herb Brooks, coached St. Cloud in this league. Uh, it's all the UWs, and now it has, over time, reconfigured itself. I think there are seven different schools from the NCHA that have gone on to win national championships at one point or another. So just to say the NCHA uh, is a competitive conference probably sells it short. I mean, if you've got seven different league members at one time or another who are national champions, it's more than just a, a, a stroke of luck. So uh, if you look at it, I think what happened is is uh, Mankato was kind of the big dog. Bemidji, Mankato, they were the big dogs for a long time. Stevens Point built that program up. Coach Mazzolini put Stevens Point on the map. They won three national championships in a row uh they kind of took over that mantle from Bemidji, Bemidji Mankato and then Stevens Point went on a really good run but so did UW Superior Superior kind of took over I think they won the national championship in 2002 and there's a stretch of games like when I was coaching here that Superior was the toughest team to beat Point had kind of slowed down Superior took over the reality is St. Norbert kind of took that ownership over from Superior I see. and now you're seeing programs pop and emerge so if you look at the Steve Point connection just because of my ties there and other things and not only the competitiveness of the games in 2018 St. Norbert won its most recent national championship out in Lake Placid in 2019 Stevens Point won the national championship Correct. and nobody's played an NCAA game since so in 2000 there was no NCAA play and then obviously last year no, no NCAA play so on October 29th at the Cornerstone Community Ice Center for 7 o'clock, you're going to see the 18 National Championship program against the 19, and nobody else has played. So we play games of consequence. We play games of meaning. Uh, it usually, uh, in the intensity is high. Players understand what's at stake, especially when you're you know, in a limited 25-game schedule. You've been quoted, and this is a great time to bring in this quote and segue into this question, talking about the NCHA and all these different levels that there are, especially with the St. Norbert College level. You've been quoted as saying, quote, if you're playing college hockey, you're either in Division One or the next tier is Division Three." close quote. What is to be said about the different levels of college hockey? Elaborate on how different it truly is compared to other collegiate sports. Well, if you looked at it, and you, football is, is the best analogy I think that we can look at. And you look at how many schools play football. It, there's a lot of schools that play football. There's yes. a very few number of schools that play hockey overall. I think there are 72 Division three programs and 65 Division one programs uh, that play NCAA ice hockey. So if it's football, you've got the Big Ten football, as an example, 85 scholarships on the roster up and down. If you're not in the Big Ten as a football player, you're at a 1AA school and there's 65 scholarships up and down the roster. And if you're not at a 1AA school, you can be at a Division two scholarship school and there's 45 scholarships up and down. Or, or whatever the numbers are that Correct. equate to yep. each level. Uh, and then there's Division three. So uh, if you look at it in hockey, the young men who we recruit are being recruited by Minnesota, by St. Cloud, by the Wisconsin Badgers. And if that doesn't come to fruition, as an example, case in point, Nick Tibbiz is going in the Hall of Fame this weekend. Nick's overseas right now, and he won't make it back for the banquet because of uh, COVID you know, landing in different airports across the, the world. Uh, Nick Tibbiz, I was downtown Chicago. I was in six lanes of traffic. I'm on the phone with Nick, and Nick, I'm trying to convince him this is going to be the right spot. He was here playing for the Green Bay Gamblers. He's in the USHL. He's an elite player. He played for Coach Mazzolini, who was the, who was the oh, Gamblers okay. coach, as a matter yep. of fact, at that time. And he's a virtual 4.0 student. And so his interest was Ivy's. 
and Princeton was in a good spot. We thought Princeton was in a good spot to offer him an opportunity. And as this, as this spring drug on, I finally just got on the phone. I'm down in town, Chicago in six lanes of traffic. And I'm on the phone with guy Godowski, who's now the head coach at Penn state and guys, the head coach at Princeton at the time. And I said, guy, do you have a spot for this kid or not? Let's, let's, let's make something happen here. And guy goes, Tim, I don't have a spot for him. Well, right then we knew our hooks were in. We had to be in the in the living room the next day and we had to set straight with the family so they knew. That's the kid we get. So we are getting Division One athletes. We're getting one double A athletes. We just are. That that's the thing about D three hockey is there are no division two. There is no division one double A, and there are very limited opportunities. So we're able to to uh eyes on, we're able to recruit the kids that we want to recruit. We can uh, go one for one. One goaltender graduates. One comes through the door, uh, and we're just very specific and detailed uh, on on how we go about recruiting. This is this. It's not a mass recruiting game. It's absolutely one in, one out. I do have more personal questions, but this is a, a perfect spot to fit in this recruiting question because I was wondering, and this makes me wonder: Is there a different branch to the question? Do you go out and you look for certain players and think I have to try and beat out these top programs, or is it these top programs aren't going to accept? someone like that because they have so many good players and they fall right in your lap. What is the recruiting style like for a St. Norman Yeah, College? so recruiting is the is the elephant in the room. I mean, you know, we don't stop recruiting ever. There's not a time to stop recruit. We 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 get some of our best kids in August because something falls through on the D1 side. Uh, we also don't uh, like the you're aware of the NCAA portal and what a yep. you know, debacle that has become. It just is. I mean, there was 350 hockey players in the portal this spring at one point or another. So there are schools out there who just sat there and took players out of the portal. We're not interested in Division One rejects. We're not interested in guys who we didn't recruit on the front side. So if Tony G is an elite player and he plays in the USHL or he plays in the North American League and we're involved in the recruiting process, and you get a chance to go to Northern Michigan. Johnny Roberts, as an example, goaltender that's in this class. We were heavily involved with Johnny Roberts when he's a Pennsylvania kid. He was playing in the North American League in Bismarck. We were heavily involved with him in a recruiting two years ago, and we wanted him to come, but he got a chance to go to Northern Michigan. So he went to Northern Michigan. He's been there for two years, and it's not panned out for him. He's, he's an undersized goaltender. Kind of reminds you of uh, David Jacobs and the way he competes, or, or TJ Black. They're both undersized guys who are very competitive. That's John. So Johnny now, we didn't take Johnny from the portal. We brought him back to a program. He picked up the phone and called us and said, hey, I think I'm leaving Northern Michigan. Do you guys still have any interest? So that is is kind of the MO, how it goes. And, and remember... Uh, our guys are they're older because they've come in as 19 or 20 year olds having played a season or two of junior hockey uh, that's just the nature of college hockey right now if you look around so we we recruit five primary areas we do bc alberta saskatchewan primarily because that's my tie that's my background i grew up in british columbia our longtime assistant aj aiken who's the women's coach now yep. aj was from alberta he recruited that area um, we've had lots of luck in saskatchewan the the beast right now for us is the north american league it's it's uh it's it's gotten really really good we're taking i'd say 80 85 of our roster right now played in the north american league and then the ushl which has just gotten too big for us it's just i mean we see it because the gamblers are in town so we see teams come but when a team rolls through the the uh, town and they show you their roster and they've already got 17 division one commits the odds of you getting a USHL kid these days is just very low. Yeah. But when you do, they can play. They can flat out play. The captain on the 2008 national championship team here, Ryan Peterson, South St. Paul kid, he's an assistant with the Gamblers right now. He was the captain of the Green Bay Gamblers. That's how we knew him in town. Nick Tabiz, Green Bay Gamblers. 
So in recent history, we've had USHL kids, but it's not at a very high rate right now because that league has just gone to a different level. You brought up two names who I was going to bring up as well, and you don't have to go in depth on these players, but more or less the idea. What makes a, a good hockey player? What makes someone who can come into any program and play right away? Is it speed? Is it size? Is it agility? What What is it that makes a good hockey well, player? Well, ho- hockey's. I have a 15 year old at home right now, and we go through this all the time. So I've coached here in town. I've coached, you know, three years of mites hockey. Th- two years of squirt hockey, two years of peewee <laughs> hockey, a year of Bantams, and now my son's at Notre Dame. And we're talking to these kids all the time about the fact hockey is a long-term development sport. And it takes a long time. You hear guys come in the NHL who, you know, they sign as an 18-year-old and they're, and they're in the league. And you hear them, you know, four years later when they sign their second contract and they're making statements like, boy, I'm really starting to figure this game out. There's a lot that goes into it. The development side of a hockey player, it's, it's a long-term development. USA Hockey has a good model in that regard. Canada has a good model. Most of the European countries have a good model. The one percenters who are fast-tracked to the NHL, Sidney Crosby, Wayne Gretzky, insert you know, Patrick Kane, any name you want here. Uh, I was on an airplane, uh, come back from Pittsburgh with uh, Paul Caulfield, his son, Cole Caulfield. Uh, Paul and I were teammates at Stevens Point. So uh, uh, I know the family well, and I know I've watched those boys. That's an elite, that's a different level of player than we're ever going to see. So, you know, you just look at the long-term development of it, and you look for the upside in what young men are doing to grow their game. And so it isn't so much, you know, we don't do 40 times and we don't do the hockey sense. You're looking at the speed of the game with the impact of football with no whistles, with no stoppages and plays. It's it, You're constantly on offense, then you're on defense, and then you're back on offense, and then you better get off the ice. You have 45 second shift and boom, you're done, right? And then you roll the next guys over the board. So it, it, it's a real team game. Um, it's a game of a lot, like in our case, structure in the offensive zone, structure in the neutral zone, structure in the defensive zone. You've got to have a handle on what you're doing in those areas. Uh, and you you got to put in a good dose of courage because you're going to have to wear a puck, right? You're going to have to lay down and block a shot. Player you and I talked about just before we went on the air was Andy Cote. In 2006, we're in the national championship game. And I would never have thought this to be the case. Andy Cote laid down and blocked a shot with his face. He came back to the bench and his cage was pushed right back up against his nose. That takes a lot of courage. That's not, that isn't something that Andy would normally have in his game. But when you're playing the national championship game, you're about willing to do anything you can to to succeed. So talking about, again, these different levels that there is. Again, back tying in your personal background. After school, you signed with the Vancouver Canucks. Played with the Milwaukee Admirals. Uh, you did have an injury that ended your career rather early. What have you learned from your time at that next level in hockey? And how do you use that knowledge in the game today? Well, it's a long time ago. I mean, I think the game has changed. The, the college game, our game, how we coach and teach the game has changed a lot. So I, I would just say that, you know, it was uh, it was awesome uh, to win the national championship in 1989 and then come back to my apartment in Stevens Point and the phone rings on Monday morning at nine o'clock and it's Brian Burke. And Brian Burke is the vice president, general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. And he's like, we want you in Milwaukee for practice on Tuesday. And I'm still going, <laughs> we just got back from New York. You know, we just got back. It's been a bit of, bit of a long run here. Uh, so I packed up my bag and went to Milwaukee. And uh, I was uh, took a hiatus for two weeks, some classes. It was around spring break time. It worked out well. I got to see what that level of play was all about in the American Hockey League or the International Hockey 
Hockey League. Uh, I did enough in my time there that they extended a, a training contract for June, July, and August. So I was able to go back to uh, Vancouver that summer. Uh, that's home province for me. I just stayed at my brother's place in, in Richmond. And uh, then to be on the ice with Igor Larionov, to be on the ice with the, the Russians had just come over. The wall just came down. Oh, wow. So you had the influx of all these superstars. Um, I mean, you know, to play with the NHL guys all summer long was awesome. Uh, you know, I think at that point in time, I was even looking at it like, I don't know if I fit here. You know, you, you question everything that's going on. Uh, and then I got into a tilt at training camp with a big guy. He happened to be my roommate, actually, on the, on the mainland. And uh, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm, if he whacks me one more time, I'm going to shake the Mets. And that's what happened. And and I, I thought to my, he's 6'5". He's a, there's a picture of him on the Vancouver province with his hands both in ice bags. And, and the, you know, he's the reigning champ. So he's been fighting everybody in training camp. That's so at one point in time, Pat Quinn, who was the head coach in general, stopped the, the practice and said, Nick Williams, you can fight anybody, but you two can't fight each other anymore. And that was with this other kid that he was tussling with all the time. Nick Williams gives me a smack. So we shake the gloves. And I thought, I'm just going to, I'm going to grab him and I'm going to pull in tight. He's six foot five. So I grab him, we pull in tight. And as my, as I'm pulling in tight, I, he landed a couple of shots and I landed one or two and my shoulder dislocated out the top. Oh, no. And so now I'm down on one knee and I, he, I'm looking right down the gun barrel at this guy. Just I think he's going to knock my teeth out. And he realizes I've been yelling shoulder, so he backs off. So we get in the locker room and the trainer comes in. My shoulder's dislocated and his hand's messed up. They throw us in a van and take us to the local hospital. And, and we're sitting in the waiting room at the hospital. And the nurse comes around and says, what, what happened? I said, I got in a fight at training camp, dislocated my shoulder. She looks at the kid next to me who happens to be Mike McWilliams, a guy I fought. She goes, what happened to you? Uh, I think I busted a knuckle. I just got in a fight at training camp. And then she looks at both of us and goes, no. And we go, yeah, yeah, it was us. It was, <laughs> we were in the same fight. Yes. So, uh, that, that was kind of the, uh, the, the beginning of the end for the opportunity at that level. Uh, I did spend a year overseas in Scotland and played, um, uh, in the British premier league and actually was going to go back to Germany the following year when the assistant job at UW Stevens point came open, Mark Mazzolini, the head coach left and went to Minnesota with Doug Woog. And then Joe Balderota, the assistant coach at Stevens Point, got the head job, and I slid in as the assistant, and that's where I was for two years before I came here. So it all just kind of, it, it all just sort of worked. Yeah, a lot of amazing stories. I have so many questions that I just want to branch off. First, with the story you mentioned, though, what is, it's so different than any other sport in hockey. Allowing to fight, you know, a coach, especially at that level, going, you two fight it out, duke it out. Maybe not at this level, it doesn't happen. Explain and elaborate a little bit more on, the fights in hockey and how, why that is, why that comes about and the use of it. Well, I, I think it's, it's self-policing is all it is. It's not, you know, and the, the fighting has gone way down. So, I, you know, for those that, that don't think there's an area, there is at the pro level. I mean, certainly not in college. You, you don't see fights in college hockey anymore. No. We used to. There used to be, you know, you'd see a tussle here and there, but you don't anymore. But at the pro level, it's self-policing is really what it is. You think of the greatest players in the world at, at my age, and I would think Wayne Gretzky as one of those guys. How many concussions did Wayne Gretzky have during his career? Uh, none because Dave Semenko was right on his hip. And if you messed around with Wayne Gretzky, you were getting a handful of Dave Semenko. There was always somebody who was on your bench to protect those players. Fast forward to today's game. How many concussions has Sidney Crosby had? I mean, he's missed sizable amounts of time. He's missed entire seasons because of, because players take liberties. So to me, there is a place. Uh, it, it, it's still part of our game. Um, it, you know, it, if it's done right and it's done for 
with the purpose that that is i guess i the, the only analogy i could throw forth is you know wh- why is there a bean ball in baseball why well you know i don't think his finger slipped i mean yeah. i think it's just there, there's going to be a little retribution and uh, to a certain degree i guess that's what i would say in the hockey side another question arising from your story and how you went from here to here and here and here where do the five flyers fit into this mix that's, so that's a British Premier League. That's Correct. in Scotland, the Fife Flyers. Yep. So I played over in Fife. Um, it was, uh, I think my wife and I were just engaged at the time and getting married that spring. Uh, so I took the opportunity to make the trip overseas. Uh, g- great way to see the world. Uh, uh, All-American goaltender, National Player of the Year, Kyle Jones from here, uh, the 2008 National Champion goalie. He'll Correct. be in town this weekend for the Hall of Fame for his buddy Banger. Um, and uh, he did the same thing, went over to Scotland. They paid for his MBA. They're, you know, you, you've got a small stipend. You're not making enough money to make it worthwhile. But when they're paying for your car and they're paying for your apartment and you're playing hockey, it's a pretty good way to see the world. And that's really what the extent of what that was for me. And for most most of the guys, uh, unless you're from, uh, you know, the, the European nations. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's like right now we've got uh, uh, Keegan Milligan is over there right now. Uh, wow. Mason Baptista, who was who was a, who switched to the coaching side, he's with the Chinese women's national team, and a buddy of mine, Brian Odalski, is the head coach on the women's side. They're the Olympic staff for China. So I mean, there's opportunities out there if you're willing to travel. So what's the story of you ending up at St. Norbert College? When did De Pere find its way into your mix? The yeah, so life? yeah, that's interesting. So again, think of this, the timing of this. I, uh, Brian Brees is my fourth president. Um, Cam Fuller is my fourth athletic director. <laughs> Uh, the academic dean is my fifth academic dean. So we've, we've seen a, a number of changes, yeah. admissions, staff, VPs, presidents, whatever. So as I look back on it, uh, Tom Mannion, and we, t- we talk about this often about what a beautiful campus this is. Well, Tom Mannion was the guy, President Mannion was the guy who really made this footprint what it is. Tom Kunkel is the guy who really, I mean, he added $150 million worth of new construction on this campus in a 10, 12 year period. Right. Uh, so, you know, when you look from that perspective, the athletic director that hired me was Larry Van Alstein. Coach Van was a probably the most crucial in, uh, guy for me because he was my direct and he really embodies and emulates what it is to be a man of St. Norbert. Um, back in the day, Coach Van coached women's basketball he was our head football coach he coached track and field in the uh off season when school's not running he put on a hard hat and went to work for facilities i mean it was just whatever you need i'll do and that sort of self-emptying service that that uh, blends itself with saint norbert himself uh, one of the tenets of saint norbert is self-emptying service to others I, I i really saw that with coach van alstein early on and and he was very influential i think in in me taking the job and i remember I remember, I think he, he offered me the position. I'm at Stevens Point as an assistant. Everybody's saying, what the heck are you doing? Because Stevens Point had just beat St. Norbert 21 to 1. And I was on the other bench. And I'm walking across the handshake line with Coach Robel, George Robel, who was here at the time. And I'm shaking hands with players who ultimately, within a year, I'm on, the, on that bench. Uh, so just, uh, you know, I think uh, Mr. Compsey, who just recently passed away, was a VP of business and finance. And I just remember being in Mr. Compsey's office and he just, he kept saying, give us a look, like, like give this a serious look. And I wasn't sure if St. Norbert was interested. I mean, they were a club team. They were a varsity team since 1989, but they didn't do anything different than when they were a club team. So as an example, when I got here, the players had their equipment in their dorm rooms. There was no locker room. 
their sticks were in the uh, athletic training facility at the old Sholdy Sports Center. They practiced every morning at 6 a.m. I mean, there was nothing about them that looked like a varsity team. And that they, it's 89, 90, 91, 92. And I think at that time, uh, the decision was made, we either have to fund this at a higher level and hire somebody full-time, because it was all part-time people, to make this program go, or we got to can it and just be done with hockey. Because I think the faculty and staff were done with vans rolling back in on Saturday night and beer cans falling out all over the parking lot at Schildes. And it was like, we got to do something different here. And ultimately what happened is, you know, I was hired as the first uh, full-time head coach here uh, when Romy Cosner, legendary baseball coach, Romy Cosner retired. So St. Norbert didn't really create any new staff positions. They just rolled hockey to full-time and they went baseball to part-time and a side plug we need a full-time baseball coach so if you had anybody Agreed. talking out there Agreed. like that's a program to me that's a program that can make big noise at a national level i've said it for a long time anybody that'll listen i think baseball's got upside that we should be knocking into so i know we're adding other things and we're adding other positions here or there but i'd add a baseball i 100 percent agree with you mm-hmm. right there that is a priority you mentioned all these different uh, athletic directors and, and presidents how many different sports information directors have there been besides uh, dan lucas dan lucas has been here for two decades now. yeah he's been he's been here probably second uh time wise in the department second i would think to to my length of time okay um so when i was hired uh, there was a guy named len wagner and you could tell where hockey was len has passed away i believe uh he was a sports writer for the press gazette he had old he was tight with like uh lee remmel and that era uh so he com- comes from good stock <laughs> the first hockey program i ever had because you know what we're doing when we're trying to get will to pay attention to saint norbert is we're going to send you our our media we're going to send you our information sure i've got copies of the, the, the first saint norbert hockey program from when i arrived and it was 91 92 was the program cover and it was a horse and they had the, the charging night horse the old one and he had figure skates on the horse that was the that was the graphics on it and i'm thinking seriously we're gonna i'm, I'm supposed to send this out to a serious hockey recruit in will and i'm gonna send him a horse with figure skates on and say come to saint over college you gotta be kidding me uh so len had a student whose name was jim strict and Jim Strick, you may know, Jim still does PA stuff for us. He subs for Dan here and there. Okay. He's a principal or an athletic director down in uh, Nina Menasha area. Uh, great voice, great address, public address voice. Uh, so Jim took over as the sports information director from Le- really became the first full-time guy. Jimmy Strick did a great job, ultimately left here, ironically, went to Stevens Point and became an assistant athletic director and their sports information director at Point and then moved on from there. I think he was at University of Minnesota for a period of time and then and now back as a as an athletic director in the Valley where, where he was raised. And then Dan Lucas took over for Jim Strick. Okay. And now obviously Dan has done uh, a lot of work and, and great work for a long time. Absolutely. Agreed. And he helped set this interview up too as well. Mm-hmm. So yes. thanks to Dan. Yes. I had to yes. give that shout out to him. A little bit more about you now. Again, five-time national championship. You've been to nine championship games. At one point, there was a streak for the St. Norbert College hockey team from 2010 to 2016 where you went to the championship five out of those seven years. I mean, there was a period, I think, something like, it's hard for me to work it out in my brain, but if you were on the team for four years, you were part of a national championship team at least once or twice or something like that. It's quite an impressive run. (laughs) So what elements have to be present in a team, not just to be a championship caliber team, but this sort of level of a dynasty 
What what elements have to be present? Well, go back to what we talked a little bit about earlier in recruiting, right? You, you have to have the right horses in the sure. barn. There's just no two ways about it. I mean, there, there's the old adage, which team's going to win? Well, whichever team walks off the bus with the best players. I mean, there's, some, there's a certain element of that for certain. So the recruiting piece always comes back. I think there's, you know, I heard Red Berenson say this one time, longtime Michigan coach, and uh, used to, uh, chat with him down in Florida at the convention. And I heard him say one time, he said, you know, there's really, you have to have these ingredients. You have to have a goaltender. You're never going to win all. You're not going to win at all. You're not going to win the big one if you don't have a goaltender. Uh, that's number one. Number two, your uh, you have to have senior leadership. You've got to have your senior class they have to have senior years. They've got to have big years as seniors. You need to count on guys who have been through there before. And then number three, your most skilled, and this is the one that usually slips up here and there, your most skilled player has to be the hardest worker on your roster. Okay. And so when you look at it, and you know, for us, if you look at All-American status, if you look at guys that are elite skill guys, they're usually really good students too. The kids that do best in the classroom handle the time management, yep. they handle the workload, they take care of their diet, they're, they're resting properly. So that they go hand in hand, but you really do have to have uh, all, all those ingredients. And then even when you have all those ingredients, winning is just really hard. I, I don't care if it's peewee hockey or, you know, band, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the sport is, winning is hard. Everything has to line up, it just does. So all you can really do is stick to the process and try to give yourself a chance. Keep playing, keep playing, uh, you know, keep pushing that. When you win it all, you can look back and point to what it was. When you don't, it's hard to put your finger on, you know, what exactly the it factor was. Sometimes it's a goaltender. Sometimes it is a power play. Uh, sometimes it is, you know, you go back to the gold. Kyle Jones went back-to-back -back shutouts in the National Frozen Four. It's never, never happened on the D1 or D3 side. He was 95% save and a 1.08 goals or 109 goals against average. Well, the it factor for us was Kyle Jones that year. I mean, he's second all-time to Ryan Miller, who played at Michigan State. He, Kyle Jones is second all-time in NCAA shutouts with 25. He's second only to Ryan Miller. So Kyle Jones was the it factor in 08, uh, no question about it. So I, I, you can always look back. But I could also tell you that uh, of the five teams that have won national championships, I've had at least three teams or four that are probably better than the teams that won it. Wow. And they didn't for whatever reason. It didn't come to four. 2005 comes to mind. Uh, we had played the national championship game in 2004 against Middlebury. It was a 0-0 game. Uh, we got beaten in overtime, one nothing in overtime. Like That's about as close to you know winning a national title as you can get. So to your point, we've, we played in nine. Uh, we won five. We lost one in single overtime. In 2010, we lost a double overtime game to Norwich. And, and again, just put it in perspective, in 2010 at Lake Placid, Norwich University was celebrating 100 years of hockey history on their campus. They had, had a men's varsity program for 100 years. And so by comparison, we're the new kid on the block, right? We're still, it's always felt to me like we're the young guy on the block. We're the team that uh, is scrapping and, and kicking and clawing. It isn't really until this silly COVID year that we've looked back at all. I don't typically spend any time looking back. Uh, and now, so now you can talk about 12 frozen fours and nine title games and five championships and, sure. and then an overtime loss and a double overtime loss. And to me, the bigger thing is look at the players, 
You know, we, t we tend to go back on a 10-year retrospective. So use the, use the 2018 team as an example. If you go back 10 years, now you're on to the 2008 team. Yep. Look at what those kids are doing in life. Look how well they're doing in their communities. They're involved. They're coaching youth hockey. Uh, they have good jobs. Uh, they're good members in society. So I can almost go back to every class and tell you what that senior class is doing today because we stay in touch, right? We, have, we, we stay in touch as much as we can. Um, the strongest part of our program, bar none, is the men in the locker room. And uh, that's the way we treat them, and that's the way we preach the game. It's a family. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. That's a good yep. point. And just to prove a point that uh, Coach Tim Coughlin said there, in talking in pre-show with him, you do know pretty much everything about these players, and I'll be asking you about a couple former players in our 60 seconds with you coming up uh, towards the end of the show. But you talk about the it factor. You talk about the players in winning a national championship. Are those the same elements, or are there different elements present when, say, in your third national, national championship, 2012, on the way to win that national championship, you had to knock off number one ranked Norwich, a number three ranked Oswego State. Are those the same elements present when you have to knock off a top-ranked team, or, or how is the preparation different, or yeah, what's I the think, process? Yeah, I think when uh, Tony, I think when the when you're talking about once you're inside the top ten, I don't care what your ranking is. What the hell's okay. the difference? Like, really, what does it mean? What does it matter? You're a top I mean, ten. You're, you're you're in the top ten. You're going to be one of those programs. So you you ask specifically about twelve. So just think about what twelve the the culmination of what that twelve team was in two thousand eight. We win our first national championship. Those freshmen. Nick Tabiz, who's going in the Hall of Fame, they're seniors in 2011, and there are 11 of them. All 11 seniors on a roster in 2011 played in the national championship game in 2011. So that that also lends credibility to the point about like we rely on our veteran guys, right? You can you I think there are schools out there who recruit and replace. They just keep recruiting and they keep replacing players, whether they're getting them through the portal or we don't. We recruit and we develop and our guys stay and they play. And so our recruit and development philosophy is different. Fast forward to 2012. We don't have a starting goaltender. We've lost 11 players from the 11, from the national championship team. Exactly. We are seven and four uh, at Christmas and I'm pulling my hair out and we make the change to go to David Jacobson, a freshman goaltender. And we go 12, one and one, 14, one and one down the stretch. And, with all those young guys, we roll into Lake Placid. We don't know any better because we were young enough not to remember with all the seniors having gone out. They just rolled in and played. And, um, you know, fortunately, we, we won the national title. It was against Eddie Gozik in Oswego State. Eddie's a dear friend. Uh, and uh, I remember his wife, who's passed away since, was talking to my wife. And we're both green and gold teams. Oswego wears green and gold. And it was St. Patrick's Day. And the wives were talking, our, our coaching's wives were talking, let's paint this town green and gold. Because one of us was going to win the national championship that yeah. night. And uh, that happened to be during the Cody Kiefer uh, era. Yeah. Uh, Cody Kiefer, there was, we used to, we used to call it Kiefer time. You get to the NCAA tournament, it's Kiefer time. He had a hat trick in that game. He had two in 11 against Adrian. He had two, and he scored in the 2010. Um, he had he was NCAA. Every time we were playing NCAA game, it was Kiefer time. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I love these stories. You've told such great stories to this point. And so I want to maybe just dive in a little bit more to that. What do you remember most about these national championship teams? And let me set it up by saying this. Was it the win streaks? Because there's been numerous amounts of them. 
Was it the players? You've said a lot of stories about players. Or was it close overtime wins? Like in 2018, you had a close overtime win. What do you remember most about some of these championship runs, the five of them that you've had? It's always the players. It's all. It's always. It, 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 this is a place about people, and it's always about the players. It just is. That's what you remember. Coaching staff, for sure. Um, you know, I've been, I've been lucky to – I've always had it. Seemingly, I've always had the right – guys on staff at the right time case in point i start here in 1993 i call a guy who lives in town named rob nicholson and robbie actually coached the saint Norbert club team for a period of time uh before uh, i came in and i said robbie if i take this job will you come on staff with me as an assistant and and nikki took the job uh and he knew everybody's like the mayor of this town he knew everybody <laughs> so all of a sudden tim coglin's getting introduced as the hockey coach it's to anybody in green bay who is in the know and so that's that was our in he was the right guy for the right time he and both kip caracas who's back with me now uh and then um our, my first full-time uh, assistant uh, was Corey Boris, who was my, one of my captains, and he lives in town now. Corey was the right guy. He was on the road. He was a dog. He was getting after it. Corey went on to become the head coach at the College of St. Scholastica, so you like your guys to be able to move and move up. Rob Nicholson, by the way, when he left us, became the president of the of the Green Bay Gamblers. Uh, Nicky's a dear friend. He passed away a few years ago. But um, So you just look at the even the assistants that have been around, uh, and then we go from Corey to A.J. Aiken uh, and Luke, Luke Strand. Luke is the head coach in Sioux City in the uh, USHL. Luke is a dear friend today. We still talk recruiting all the time in hockey. That AJ jumps on board. He's a part of three national championships. He gets a chance to become the head coach at Marion College. So he takes off and goes down to Marion. Ryan Peterson's on staff. I mean, again, we've just had, and, and, and then you fast forward to today and we've got Andy Brandt. Um, and Andy is a very unique guy, uh, having played for the Badgers, won a national championship in 2006 at the D1 level, hometown Wausau kid, uh, 10 years in the pro game as a player, as a coach, as an assistant coach, and ultimately as the head coach and general manager of the Atlanta Gladiators. Uh, his jersey is retired in the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, and Andy was looking to get into college hockey and get back towards and all of a sudden Andy's here well now Andy is our associate head coach he's our recruiting coordinator uh he's exceptional on ice uh his eye for talent is off the charts he is the face of St. Norbert on the road for us right now um so I mean you know I'm I'm the head coach in name Andy's the associate head coach the reality is with Kip Andy and myself we have three head coaches and okay. we all get along very very well and hopefully we're giving our current group everything they need to be successful Rob Smiley Morris Zuddens Kyle Jones and David Jacobson you've coached four Sid Watson award winners and for those who don't know that's given to the top hockey player from a small time college uh, each year so you, that pretty much means that at this level you have coached the best player in the nation four different times any one of these players stick out more than the rest or or just anything you know about these players today and uh, how rewarding is that as a coach to coach some Sid Watson winners so so we talked earlier about this and and it's philosophically it's recruit and replace or it's recruit and develop that's an example of recruit and develop and I develop. think though you, you know you keep your guys 
They stay on track. Um, you know, in all, in all cases that you just mentioned, all very, very good students, like we talked about before, they're all very high academic kids. Uh, Mara Zaden probably stands out. Mara's because he played 10 years. He played world championships. He played in the Olympics in Torino in 2006 for yep. his home country. They got beat 6-1 by Sweden, but he scored the lone goal for Latvia. And, I mean, he beat... Henry Lundqvist is playing goal for Sweden. You, you know, you, you watch him play Canada. He's playing against Crosby. He's playing against... So, I mean, we're seeing him on the world's... He played three world championships, and he played the Olympics in 06. Um, you know, Kyle Jones, we talked about his history and going back-to-back shutouts. David being the only goaltender in program history, the only person to uh, to win two national championships as, as a goaltender uh, in that spot. So, uh, Rob Smiley was one of those guys that put us on the map back in the mid-'90s. Um, and his, his goal total totals are off the charts right i mean yeah. i think he had i think in one season he had 34 goals as a in one season so we haven't seen that those types of numbers now the game has changed and we're teaching it differently um but i think the other thing i would say is the program also produces all conference players and uh, uh all american players which then give you a chance to be talked about at the national level if we're inconsequential if we're not a good those players aren't getting that title. They just aren't. So you look around at who gets nominated for those awards. They're coming from the top 10 programs. They just are. The All-Americans are coming from the top 10 programs. And so the program has something to do with that. But clearly, those individuals uh, put themselves in a different category by the work that they did when they were here. We talk about recruit and develop. We talk about the performance in the classroom and how important all this is. But what about in a particular case where something comes up that is completely unprecedented and nobody can see coming? And one particular example that I would be remiss if I didn't ask for your perspective on is the case with Luke Davison. Diagnosed with stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma March 1st. Had his last cancer treatment. He beat it on uh, August 27th. You were there uh, when he went in for these treatments. What has this occurrence or this story of Luke Davison taught you? And how has it changed you as a coach? Well, I think it's given us all perspective. Um, you know, there wasn't anybody that was more bitter or sour about not playing hockey last year than our group and, and us, frankly. Uh, I've got my skates on and my shin pads on. It's December the 10th, I believe. And we're going out for practice at 9 o'clock in the morning, whatever that was at that time. And that's when I got the call from uh, President Brees, who said, we're, n- we're not playing game second semester. Because we had sort of been telling guys, hey, come back in the fall. We're, we're not going to play conference games, but we can play non-conference games. And then that went away. And then it was, okay, well, we're going to be playing games in the second semester. And then that went away. And then we found out the other 10 schools were all going to play. So all the schools in the NCHA played except St. Norbert because we self-imposed on that. That was... So that was, you can imagine the tenor. You just think if you're a national champion freshman in 2018, Peter Bates as an example, yep. that senior, Luke Davison as an example, they're champions at, at freshman, freshman year. And now their senior year, they don't get to play at all. And so, you know, it, it, it's obviously, so let's back up now. If we did play games, I can promise you, the lump that Luke Davison felt in the side of his neck would have gone unchecked because he would have had games that weekend and he would have played. So you want to talk about the silver lining. You want to talk about your faith and belief and why things happen. We absolutely, Luke got checked and we found out it was stage three. If if that had gone through March, 
we would be having a very different conversation about Luke yeah. Davison. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, I'm a strong believer. We're, we're uh, yeah. It just gives the, you chills. Yeah, it does. And, yeah, literally. I did, too. I mean, I'm talking yeah. about it, and I did, too. So the fact that Luke got checked when he did, the fact that the boys could be around him, um, he came, he had a port put in his chest so they could dump chemo in, and he showed up at practice the next day, and he's skating. Like, so we just, we put him in a red jersey. We're like, are you sure you should be out here? And the doc was kind of like, hey, man, just don't get hit because that port's kind of important, right? Yeah. And then you saw the, the original video, which I had no idea that was going to be a video because I don't, I'm not a social media guy other than the Tony G show because I'm all yeah, about that. Sure. Um, you know, the, we showed up at the hospital the first morning when he went in. We all went and got St. Peregrine medals from uh, out here at uh, the shrine. And that's the, the patron saint for those with cancer. And we gave Luke one and all the players had one. Uh, and then the story continued. And so hopefully he feels like we were around him and beside him and part of his journey i know he does i know that because he and i've had private conversations but so happy and so pleased and so thankful uh that he has come through on this side and looking back at it that's probably the only thing we take away from last year is the only thing that matters is luke davison out of everything else that happened put it all aside because it's small potatoes compared to this and uh so we're thankful that he's uh, in remission now yeah absolutely what a beautiful story very happy for Luke Davison uh, fighting through that. We're in the back stretch of this interview, Tim, and that means it's time to switch to our newest segment, something that we, this is only the third time we're going to do it, and this is the first time that it's a special edition. 60 seconds with Tim Coughlin coming up. Will's going to start the timer in just a second. I'm going to ask you about a couple of SNC hockey greats. I want you to tell me anything that comes to mind. The first thing that comes to mind, what they were like on the ice, where they're at today, anything about these certain players. You ready? Ready. Okay, Will, on your go. Member of the 2004 runner-up team, Andy Cote. Andy Cote is a neighbor of mine, lives just down the block. He's a kid that uh, uh, absolutely has come out of St. Norbert College, thankful, appreciative for everything that's happened for him while he's been here. Married, couple of kids, three kids actually. Uh, works for Fabit Caterpillar, uh, was a warrior on the ice. People hated to play against Andy Cote. <laughs> I remember the coach at UW-Superior uh, just screaming at Andy, and Andy was just an instigator. He was that player that you always like to have on your side and always hated to play against, and sure. he can shoot the puck. Like, that kid can wire the puck. Guy who could just play. How about the newest Toronto Maple Leaf assistant coach, Spencer Carberry? Same graduating year, 2006. Carbs uh, was a Division One transfer. There's an example. We were he was at Anchorage, and we we had recruited Spencer on the front side. He's a Victoria boy, um, and so my home province. We had recruited him. He got a chance to go to Anchorage. He went, fell out of good graces with the Anchorage staff. Almost a thousand percent his fault. He owned it. We talked about it before he came here. Little immature off ice, etc. Okay. This place helped him grow up, and he was a major player for us. All American, scored fifty five goals in eighty seven games. I think played. He was only a three year guy here, but was on that six team. Was on the uh, the two thousand four team. Uh, so his years four, five, and six were, other than the three years where we won three titles in four years, the four, five, and six teams were legitimately the best teams we had had. Another SNC hockey great, Jason Deitches. Jason Deitch is the all-time leading scorer in school history. It's funny because uh, Corey Boris was on the road at the time, and uh, we we're he's he was playing down in Texas for a just a 
tough, hard-nosed coach named Tony Curtelli. Like, if you're going to play for Tony, you're going to fight, number one. Number two, you might be fighting each other in the bench. Like, it's just, it, you know, Tony was a hard-nosed guy. And Jay Deitch should play it any way you want to play it. The only reason Jason Deitch played at St. Albert College is because there was a knock on him for his skating. Really? And because... He was a little aggressive with the stick. He is a twin brother. They got into a full bench clear in the North American Hockey League. He got a 32-game suspension for sticks, for stick fights on the ice. 32. So he missed it half the season. And everybody said, don't touch that kid. I rolled in. Corey and I rolled into Indianapolis, and we pull into the driveway because we do home visits with all the families. So everybody's on point with what we're doing. I rolled in and sat down and talked to the Deitch family. And I thought, "There's, I just don't think we're going to get this kid. And sure. his twin brother, Mark, said, who's, who's a higher academic kid, said, we are coming. Jason was still in Texas. I didn't even know Jason was not going to be at the house, but he wasn't even at the house when I showed up at his home in Indianapolis. <laughs> but his brother said, we are coming. And then I knew we had Jay Deitch, and he was the one that ultimately that we obviously needed there. How about the clutch Dean from a member of the 2006 runner-up team? Six game-winning goals that season, Connor Hughes. Connor Hughes would be, if I was picking an all-time team and I had, you know, uh, a couple of left wingers, a couple of centermen, a couple of right wingers. He's in the conversation. He just wore it like a man. He showed up every single game. Again, could do it any. We played on that line with Carberry and Deitch. So he was on the line with Carberry and Deitch. So you're, you're striking three guys that were, you know, a real dynamic threat at that time. Connor was physical. In 2006, the only reason we ended up uh, uh, getting to that game, we had to win in overtime the night before. Connor put it all in his shoulders, and he played that way. So he was he's an elite talent for sure. We've mentioned this name a couple of times throughout the course of this interview, but here's the, the point where you can go off on him as a person. Nick Tabiz. Bizzer goes in the Hall of Fame this weekend. He just sent me a, a text, which I, it was a, a, a really nice note, and he basically just said he didn't talk about hockey, he didn't talk about school. He What he remembers about being here is us helping him grow up and helping him understand what it means to be a man and now married and children and oh, yeah. got a great job. Again, high academic kid. The gamblers were playing him as a forward, so they had moved him. He, he was a natural defenseman playing AAA all growing up. When he got to Green Bay, they thought they were too deep on the back end, so, but he could skate, and he had really good stick skill. So they rolled him up front. So one of the recruiting ploys that – I knew that. So one of the recruiting ploys that we had, aside from talking to the guys at Princeton, found out they didn't have a spot, was, Nick, we're going to roll you on, on the back end. Go back to your natural position. Okay. And Nick, from a freshman all the way through, ran the power play, played special teams, really good stick defensively. Um, I watched him play make a play in 2011 in the national championship game. It, it's almost – if you weren't there and you didn't see it, and I don't know if anybody has it on video – we're on the power play. Adrian flips the puck out of the zone. Bizzer holds his edges on the blue line. He reaches over the blue line, cradles the puck out of the air, and brings it back and keeps it onside. on side. He, he caught the puck flat on his blade <laughs> it, it, while the game's going on. Kept the game... And then he he said in the, in the, in the press conference, it was pretty funny because we ended up winning that game 4-3. Sure. And um, uh, there was no scoring, I think, in the third period. And Nick said... Uh, they asked him some question about, you know, what did you think about? He said, well, you know, I knew when they had three, that was going to be enough for them. And I knew when we scored four, that was going to be enough to win it. And it was a power play goal, I think, that he either got or made the shot on. And I, I look at Nick and I'm like, hey, Nick, you could have told me that after the second because I, I would like to have had that knowledge going <laughs> yeah, into the really. third because I was a train wreck in the third waiting to see that one. So. <laughs> 
Getting a little more recent now with the names. Tell me about Eric Cooper. Coop's great. He was in the office last week. He was uh, doing a golf trip with some buddies up in uh, Michigan. So he popped in. He's, he picked up his finally picked up his All American certificate, which we had framed and was sitting in my office. Um, uh, Eric was the ca- uh, captain in Trail and the Smoke Eaters, originally from uh, Alaska. High academic kid again. He is the highest, uh, I think he's the first team academic All American uh, up on the wall in the Sports Center. Uh, been a captain everywhere he's been, played all situations, does it right high character guy married lives to you know down in the milwaukee area now uh doing very very well in life and he will because that's exactly who he is how about the goalie tj black tj i think is living in wrigleyville he's right back in his home uh, turf there uh tj was uh um, one of the most competitive goaltenders we've ever had. If you don't have the competitive gene, you can't play goal. Yeah. Uh, and we have done a lot. Kip Caracas has done a lot with undersized goaltenders. TJ's undersized. So is David Jacobson. Um, we've had a lot of guys, Tony Kajava even. I mean, we've had a lot of guys that are under. If you look in the National Hockey League right now, I think there's one rostered six-foot goaltender everybody else six three six four six five in the national hockey league so you know guys get overlooked because of their size and they can make up for it with athleticism like, like david jacobson did all those years with us so talking about current players now and you speak about size this is a taller man how about peyton franti you know peyton peyton to me is a case in point for the type of kid that we get when when it goes well peyton did not want to talk to andy brandt last september or the september of his freshman year he was playing it was he had you know six division one schools talking i mean he's six foot three four he's a right shot really tall in the hips great hands good vision can shoot it plays the middle plays first line center for us um he had lots of division one interest so that's where we've got to temper our recruiting a little bit because we're in but we're not going to go all in. We're not going to bother the kid. Yeah. And we just let him go. And we talked to him at Christmas time when he's at the prospects. Andy went to see him again. And Peyton, very forward and very professionally said, Coach, I'm, I'm not interested right now. I've got other th-. And we agree. And so we let him go. Let his season develop. And oh, by the way, when push comes to shove and you're at that time and now these opportunities are no longer there, don't forget who wants to talk to you first. And that's exactly how Peyton showed up here. And since he's been here, his game has gone straight uphill uh, in a positive way. Uh, There's a young man that's got professional upside. There's no question in my mind. He needs a big year that go back to what we need from our seniors. We need you to have a senior year. uh, And he will uh, because he's put in the work. Um, He's been named a captain by his teammates and coaches for a reason. Uh, I don't know that anybody would have said that four years ago, but that's where he's at today. I like everything that Peyton brings to the table. Peter Bates. Peter Bates, another, you know, uh, led Janesville in scoring. I was in the rink uh, during the playoffs. I think maybe it was the night they, either when they got eliminated or just before that, I caught Peter and took him into the back room, the skate room, and we were just having a conversation. And, you know, quiet kid, hard to get a read. There's a guy, nobody has done more to improve their status and, and their game than Peter has. He's worked really hard on his game to the point that, and you can use, uh, you can use Franti in this conversation too. When, when Peyton and Peter came in, they, you wouldn't say those are penalty kill guys. Those are power play guys. Okay. And yet both of them have done all the things within their game, working with the staff to become penalty kill guys. Now you can use them. They're 200 foot players, mm-hmm. both of them. So Peter use Peter as as an example, the last time the NCHA played a full season, which was 2019, yeah. Peter 
led the league in scoring start to finish. He's on the first power play and he's on the PK role in the top four. And he's the NCHA player of the year and a first team All-American. So did Andy Brandt do that? Did Tim Coughlin do that? Nope. Peter Bates did that. Those guys who put in that time, you see the growth in their game. Go back to the very first thing we talked about is hockey being a long-term development sport, understanding the game at a higher level, and being able to play the game at a higher level. That's Peter Bates. Can you talk about the development of this defenseman, Jack Kelly? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Jack Kelly, Texas Jack, he's a... uh, uh, been a captain everywhere everywhere he's ever been. I'm in Pittsburgh this last weekend watching games. The USHL showcase is out there, and I was watching some games, and there's a scout from the Wenatchee Wild there, and he came right up to me, and I, I, I knew who it was. We've had history, and he's the first guy he asked about is Jack Kelly. How's Jack? So, uh, you know, Jack is he's a locker room guy. He's a glue guy. Uh, he's a leader. Uh, if I had more letters, he'd certainly be wearing one. It was a conversation yeah. that, that the coaches talked long and hard about because he's earned his stripes. He continues to. Um, you, you ever need something, you need somebody, you just call Jack and he's always there. We require our freshmen to do certain things, help around the locker room, take out the trash. Jack's a senior. Uh, he's he's all hands on deck. He, he's a servant leader, right? He'll do anything uh, that needs to be done for the greater good of the group. I only have a couple more questions. This is great. This is great stuff. I only have a couple more questions for you, then, then we'll get you out of here. Why, after the success that you've had, five national championships, nine championship games, what has kept you at St. Norbert College? I mean, you, people have had to have seen this. Other higher programs have had to have seen this success that you're having and reach out to you. What has kept you at St. Norbert? Uh, you know, I think things change over time, right? And you, you look at it, and now my wife and I have been married 30 years, and we have a young family, meaning we were married young and able to move for all those early years. Um, as an example, I was offered the head job for Fairbanks, Alaska in the CCHA in 1999. And so I flew up, interviewed, was offered the position. My wife's a school psychologist by trade. She was offered a position in Alaska on the same trip. So, and we had no children. We could have packed up and made the move. And we did it for all the right reasons. We felt like this was a spot where we needed to be. Since then, you know, have we had other conversations? Yeah, we talked to the athletic director at Michigan Tech before Mel Pearson was hired there. Uh, Everybody knew it was Mel's job. We talked to the staff at Northern Michigan before Walt Kyle got the job. So these are all early opportunities. Probably the most recent was when Princeton made a coaching change. uh, uh, One of their athletic directors reached out and talked about the type of person, the type of program they wanted to build. And it was almost like they were describing what we do at St. Norbert College. Like you should put your name in the hat here. And then the decision is, okay, now we do have children and um, we love Green Bay. Uh, St. Norbert has been a, a great place to raise a family, to to be a part of this community. Um, do I see myself living in Princeton, New Jersey? I don't. I mean, I just don't see it, right? Yeah. Being from the West Coast, I'm not likely to head to the East Coast. So it's never been one thing and it's never been i mean as long as we're able to do what we want to do we're able to go recruit the kids that we want to coach coach the type of game that we want to and develop the players and be successful i mean that's a winning formula i think not not for hockey but it is for life and again you go back and look at the history of our program look at where our guys are at that tenure retrospective i think to me again I go back and look at the alumni that's still what drives this place andy brand will tell you and he's an alumni uh from the badgers and he'll tell you that the saint over hockey alumni is as strong as any alumni association out there yep. uh the guys are always back and on check and on point so what motivates you what keeps you going 
That's that's a fair question. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, as you have time to, to look back, I mean, you know, again, this year off actually has been unfortunately then you do start to look back a little bit and you do wonder should I have done this or done that I don't have any regrets I don't have any hesitations about it I uh, um, I mean our job is to do the best job we can for the group that's in-house right now and so you know again you, you look at it from two, two scopes a microscope and a telescope right yeah. telescope you're looking at the big picture and the big world and the microscope is what's in front of you right here today and at different points in your career and at different points in time you're looking through a different scope and the the telescope tells you that our job is to uh, continue to do the things that we're doing provide guys an opportunity to play at a high level provide guys to uh, the opportunity to graduate on time if they want to go try pro hockey this is an avenue where they can go most importantly they're getting their degrees and what i like about this particular level other than division one other than uh junior hockey other than pro hockey all 27 guys on our roster if, if you start here as a freshman and you graduate on time in four years you're in a better spot for the rest of your life, regardless of how many games you played, how many goals you scored, and how many championships you won. So I think that perspective of um, providing guys, all 27 guys on the roster, not just the All-Americans, but all those guys, uh, the opportunity to grow as men. That's what, you know, one of the things Nick Tabiz said in, in his text to me just a little while ago was uh, basically not about hockey. It was about becoming a, a father and a husband and uh, a man. And I think those are all important qualities. And those are all things that I think we try to do every every day when we go to work. Good talk to this man all day long. That is five-time national champion. Tim Coughlin, he's the head coach of the St. Norbert College hockey team. This was the Tony G Show. Interviews Tim Coughlin. Tim, thank you, really thank you for spending you the so time much. with us. And best of luck as you head into this season. Good, Tony. Appreciate it very much. We'll keep this guy on chalk, okay? <laughs> yeah, I will. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Tony G Show interviews, Tim Coughlin. That was the first interview in our October series of interviews, and I encourage you to stay tuned to the Tony G Show as we continue to set up interviews and release the later portions of our October series. Make sure to follow the show on social media, and thank you once again for listening to the Tony G Show interviews, Tim Coglin. Small world, right? Small world. Yeah. One day you'll be able to say I was interviewed by Tony G himself. Yeah, there you go. I will, and I'll take that. I'll All take right, that. perfect.